You're listening to Esports Demystified by Valor Esports. In this podcast, we take a weekly dive into the world of esports by interviewing the men and women that are shaping this amazing industry. This is our first episode, and we are interviewing the legendary Wim Stocks. Wim has had a huge career in the video games industry with executive roles at companies such as Atari and THQ, and he's been a huge innovator in the esports sphere with experiences at companies such as Virgin Gaming and Collegiate Star League. Today, we are exploring the world of college esports. We are incredibly lucky to have Wim Stocks join us in this journey. Wim is the GM and CEO of World Gaming Network, which includes his role of chairman at North America's largest collegiate esports business, which has provided over $1 million in scholarships while partnering with 1,800 educational institutions under its premier tournament series, Collegiate Star League, also known as CSL. Previously, Wim has held vice president roles at the giant global brand Atari. On top of this incredible career, Wim is an advocate for diversity and inclusion with some great successes in the past two years, building partnerships with key stakeholders to attract fresh personalities to the esports industry who encourage the industry to grow and develop its audience. Wim, thank you for joining us today. Dan, how are you? Good to, good to be here and thank you for, you're so nice to, uh, to, to ask me in. <laughs> Amazing. I, I just want to jump straight into it. Um, when in, in the esports industry, you're often referred to as the godfather of esports. Um, it means I'm old, Sam. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you since, since you're the godfather, what, what is your first memory of gaming? Well, I, this is, this is part, uh, not just my first memory, but very formative to my, uh, I grew up with um, in a household where my dad was fascinated by pinball machines. Do you even know what a pinball machine is? Um, I do. I yeah, do. Uh, I, re- I remember the yeah. famous one, the Terminator Two pinball machine was my favorite. Oh, that was. Those are well. Those are. That's a. That's an icon in in pinball. But uh, <laughs> with a basement, uh, having three pinball machines. By the time I was seven, I could take them apart and put them back together again. Um, uh, just uh, fascinated by everything they stood for, the bells, the whistles, the lights, the everything, very obviously very electrical, magnetic. And that was really the foundation of, of uh, my, my interest in, in gaming. And it's not just an interest, it's a love of gaming. Um, and fast forward 10 years later, my first encounter with a arcade machine in a bar, um, which was Pong. Pong to this day is still mm-hmm. my... My favorite day, my, my favorite game. I was actually pretty good at it. Well, you could <laughs> you could say that I was one of the first esports players who used to play Pong for beers. So uh, <laughs> so so that's my earliest recollection. Still fondly remembering. I love uh, when I um, am am out in New York City. They have this big resurgence of uh, of, of bars that have pinball machines in them. So mm-hmm. um, I've uh, I've been able to return to my roots. I feel like a seven-year-old again when I go into these <laughs> these, uh, these these places. So uh, so it's been part of my my uh, life. My 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 dad was a was a, a a STEM guy before the the word STEM even existed, and that that sort of uh, was handed down to me. I'm a math major, and so in more contemporary um, realm, while I was in school, um, became a coder. Uh, math major coder so my interest in in uh, all of all of gaming and computing for that matter 
um, was a real natural uh, part of my part of my upbringing. Cool. And one of the questions I have around gaming, I see some people getting gaming a bit later in, in their career. I wanted to know for you, was it something that you knew before starting your professional career that you wanted to be in the gaming industry or you, you just jumped in the industry and then feel, felt the passion while being there? Well, keep, in, keep, in, keep it back to the, the age question. Keep in mind that when uh, I was coming up, there was no gaming business. You know, there was... Uh, there, there was a computing business. Uh, people had computers and there were Apple IIs and things like that that people played their games on, although they were very rudimentary. Um, uh, you're probably familiar with mud games, uh, um, just all text-based sorts of gaming. That was the, really in the early days. But um, uh, I was, you know, when I started my, my career in gaming was 1988, um, before there really was a gaming business. And you know, Nintendo hadn't launched yet. Uh, PlayStation hadn't launched. And Xbox obviously hadn't launched yet either. So, um, but it was early on in PC gaming when Sierra Online was a, a brand new company and people didn't know what to make of games like C uh, Gabriel Knights. Uh, um, but that was when when I saw uh, an opportunity that while wow, this is this is something there there is an opportunity for for um, a business around around gaming. You you won't remember. Uh, uh, retailers like uh, Egghead and Businessland and Computerland in the U.S. Those were huge, becoming huge retailers of then still a, a fledgling business around selling computer software. And and slowly but surely, the shelves started to get stocked with uh, these very rudimentary fundamental games. The Sierra Online was one of my favorites, and and still to this day they're around. You know, uh, still still ar around. So um, so that was that was my. Uh, my entry point, um, and uh, the good news is that uh, it has continued to uh, grow. And uh, I, I frankly, you know, when we started this company, uh, World Gaming, in 2008, um, I had no, you know, the word esports didn't exist. Um, there was gaming was obviously a big thing on on numerous platforms, but 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 mobile gaming was still kind of new in those days. So. Um, so we, we, uh, it's been fun to, to see it, it become what it has become. And I, I started to say that, that I had no, I don't think anybody had a clue in those days as to how big gaming would be. And as, and as you know, esports is still not very big in the overall scheme of things, gaming, you know, $170 billion a year business globally, uh, esports still just under $2 billion yet, yet it, it is where all the energy is, while the heat is, where all the interest is. And, it's fueling so much around the um, the rest of, of the gaming realm, and you know my way of thinking. It's 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 not only changing gaming; it's changing the world in in so many ways. Uh, I might be a little I might be a little biased in that, but uh, uh, but that's um, but but it's a great it's a great time to be in gaming. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think I mean uh, my belief is that it's change. It's starting to change the point because it's touching the new generation, and this generation, when is they are going to grow? They are going to be um, they are going to be more and more involved in and maybe not watching sport but watching video games. That, that is that is already turn, a turning point here in the industry. One one question that I um, I want to follow with like saying this story this um, really shows me that you have been around for every step of the evolution of the industry and you probably have seen some uh, interesting thing or wild things happening in that industry. I wanted to know if there was maybe a few things that. Uh, and on a few experiences that really 
stayed in your mind as being like either whether that be in your career or wild experiences that you have been experiencing in the esport world? Well, I, it's it's t I won't take up this entire podcast with this, but there is definitely one experience that has stood out in my ex my experience in my my career far above everything else, and it's a um, it's a it's like an encounter. Um, not just once, but three separate occasions uh, with Michael Jackson, who wanted to build a video game. And he came to us, the long story, I won't, again, I won't bore you with how it came, it didn't happen directly, but sort of circuitously. And um, I, uh, June 10th, I remember it very well, June 10th, uh, 2001, I'm sitting in the living room of Michael Jackson's house in Neverland Ranch, having a conversation with him about what he wanted to build a Final Fantasy-esque kind of game, you know, very epic, very, you know, big, big RPG. Um, and he wanted to be the protagonist. So he had an artist uh, do all this work up and, and, and storyboarding around him as a protagonist, you know, big, big full chest, big cape, uh, wind blowing his hair. And um, we sat for the better part of an hour while he, um, tried to articulate uh, his vision for the game. I, I, I have witnesses to this. I, this is the day we, we, when we went to Neverland Ranch that day, we had to check our cell phones. Um, that was, this was 2001. Cell phones weren't nearly what they are today, but you couldn't have a camera, couldn't have uh, your cell phone with you and sign NDAs. And um, I have two witnesses. So this is all bonafide true. Uh, a meeting about a month beforehand, a meeting about a year afterwards. And um, the whole notion of, of this was um, he wanted to be in the video game business. And he That's... couldn't, it's, here's my, my, here's my favorite game. We're talking about, we're talking about Atari. And my favorite game, I just, I just mentioned is Pong. And he said to me, well, what is, what is the game that goes like this? What is the game? That <laughs> you mean Pong? <laughs> yes, yeah, Pong, Pong. I said, well, Michael, that's my favorite game. And so, uh, so, um, so we had that was that definitely there's there's nothing, <laughs> nothing that comes close to uh, my my meetings with Michael Jackson about building a Final Fantasy S game. Now there is there is an interesting um, sort of denouement of the, of this story in that uh, at the time uh, we were also the license holder for all the Hasbro IP. So Hasbro, as you know, board games and and uh, a number of other things. Well, um, Monopoly, as you know, is a, is a big part of the Hasbro realm. And, and as we were finishing our meeting that this particular uh, June 10th day, Michael, as we're, we're, we're getting ready to drive away, he says, you know, I've always wanted to make a Monopoly version of ne uh, Neverland Ranch version of Monopoly. <laughs> And I, I said, really? And, and uh, said, can you, could you, could we work on that? Could, could we find out if, if, if you, we could do that? And I said, well, sure. I'm happy to bring that back to Hasbro for licensing. Now, so we, and I'm, this is spinning in my head as we're driving away thinking there's no way in the world that Hasbro, a toy company, you know, selling their goods to kids, yeah, and this now this is t still 2001, but a lot of his pedophilia stories are coming out, and so I'm thinking, well, how am I going to ask Hasbro for a license <laughs> for 
Neverland Ranch with the, <laughs> a, a pretty pretty renowned. I mean, it wasn't wasn't ascertained at that point. Nothing was proven, but a lot of rumors about his being a pedophile. So when I got back, I told the story to um, <laughs> my boss at the time, was the CEO of the company, and and he said, "Well, we'll call Alan Hassenfeld. Alan Hassenfeld is the Hassenfeld. Their two brothers were Hasbro, has brothers. Yeah, yeah. And so he he sat me down and he put on the speakerphone, and uh, Alan, it's uh, it's Bruno calling. Um, we have we have something we want to talk to you about. <laughs> and so so um, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And, and uh, Bruno says, "Wim, tell tell Alan what 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 you just <laughs> what just happened." So I told him the whole story, and he said he said, "Wait a minute." You're you're asking me if Hasbro will license Monopoly to a known pedal <laughs> Said, "Are you f- kidding me?" <laughs> Click, hung up the phone, and that was that was the last time we had. I'm sorry, did I? I shouldn't have sworn. I'm sorry. That was that <laughs> That's was okay. those were his words. Those were his words <laughs> exactly. And so now you can see why that story has stood up uh over over time uh as really that's being amazing yeah. that is i mean that's crazy that is most i that was so much more than what i what i thought the comments you were going to tell us i had a few ideas but not not that one no, that was, um uh, that's incredible so i want to i want to know a little bit more about um i want to know a little bit more about world gaming and, and csl and, and what what you guys really do, and then also, what's the vision of the company? What are you guys really trying to achieve, you know, in, in this space? So we started this company, and as I mentioned, in 2008. Um, when we started, I also mentioned, I think, the word esports didn't exist. And yep. we um, we had, a, you know, in, in those days, to play a video game competitively, um, you know, we and we we saw this happening uh, everywhere. So kids would, you know, they'd pack up their Xboxes, they'd uh, all get together, they'd go to a hotel somewhere, you know, in Florida. They would um, all put in a hundred dollars. They'd land their Xboxes together. Um, they'd you know they'd stay for the weekend. Uh, uh, they'd all compete for all the, the money that was in the in the prize pool. Pardon me, uh, prize pool and and. Um, uh, you know, we so you you go, you lose right away. You've you've driven 400 miles. You expended all this gas. You wasted your money on on hotel rooms. Um, you've lost your hundred dollars in the pool. You know, you're probably out. You know, a thousand dollars. And looked at we looked at one another and said, "Boy, this this is 2008. We can we can do this online. There's yeah. there's no issue with." So so we built a platform in those days. Obviously, online gaming was was a coming thing. But we built a, p- a platform that was really ta- transactional, really a banking platform that enabled players to play against one another head-to-head for money, and that was the that was the genesis of World Gaming. Um, we built the technology over the course of two years. We had to we had to winnow through all the legalities around in those days. The notion of a skilled-based game um, was unknown, um, but the, but all the sort of arcane uh, laws and legislations around gambling. Um, yep. uh, if you're playing a game uh, of skill against somebody else playing that same game of skill, um, as long as there's nobody betting on the outcome of your match, that's perfectly legal. It's yep. by and large legal. Skill-based gaming. No, nobody understood skill-based gaming in the 2009 timeframe 
we had to not only did we build this platform, but we also had to go educate everybody. We had solid legal opinions that what we were doing was completely on side. Um, and so as we launched this company and, and uh, we were getting ready to launch it in 2010, early 2010, we were on our way to a February launch. And um, I got a call from a guy in Toronto saying, we're hearing, we're hearing about what you're doing. Um, I work for Virgin. Um, does, does Richard Branson know anything about this? I said, well, may, likely not. I don't know, Richard. <laughs> do, you, do you know Richard? And, and well, I, work, I work in Virgin Mobile in Toronto. Um, we heard about this through one of your investors. Um, Richard should hear about this. So I said, oh, great, you know, thinking that how many of these stories have you heard before and nothing ever comes of it. A week later, we're sitting in Richard Branson's office in, in, uh, in uh, May, uh, Mayfair um, talking about uh, what we were doing, this world gaming platform. He right on the spot, um, you know, the, how the Virgin brand is, uh, is used or utilized or leveraged. It's generally it's applied to a, a sort of a traditional business, but the business model has been spun on its head a little bit or yeah. experiences like Virgin, you think about Virgin Airlines or Virgin yeah. Hotels or Virgin Mobile, all very different experiences. So he saw this as, wow, this is a very different proposition for, for uh, gaming. Uh, we want to be part of it. And he was also in the gambling business. Virgin Games uh, yeah. was a gambling entity back in the, in the late 2008, uh, nine timeframe. Long story, um, we, we, he wanted to buy the company. We said, it's not for sale. He, gave, he ended up giving us the license for Virgin um, in exchange for a small uh, sort of uh, uh, royalty on, on our, our revenues every year. And we ended up launching what was going to be launched as World Gaming. We launched as Virgin Gaming in 2010, at, at E3 in 2010. That we were on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. We were on the front page of the New York Times. You know, play video games for money. There was, yeah. uh, that was, that was a story and it couldn't have been a better story for us. That's exactly what, what uh, we, we wanted. And again, esports, the word didn't exist. Uh, uh, competitive gaming was, was, it was around, but it wasn't nearly as galvanized as, and our, our, um, our launch, uh, the fact that we got EA on early, we got 2K on early, we got Capcom on early. Uh, we have Microsoft and Sony, both both very much involved. We had a we had a huge integration with them with Xbox Live in our earlier earlier days. Um, that was what propelled us, and that's what propelled the the this notion and the whole uh, whole illumination for uh, competitive gaming. And and I I, I frankly don't remember um, what year it was that esports started to be more um, prevalent and and the use of it more more pronounced, but. Uh, had to be in the 2013, 2014 timeframe. Mm. Um, and by that point we were already five, you know, five years along in our, in our, in our, um, in our history. So, uh, so we've been doing this for a while. We, we, we launched, we um, moved away from head to head gaming because it was always misunderstood as we went to more of a, a sponsor model for, instead of head to head gaming for uh, money, we would take a vague, uh, 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 we call it a game management fee um, off of each transaction. But, as sponsors, more and more sponsors wanted to come in, they wouldn't sponsor our events because they thought it was gambling. We know yeah. we're all, we're okay at scuba gaming, we're on side, it's all good. But but the the perception was still that we weren't we weren't um, uh, or we weren't were, were gambling. So we moved away from uh, the the head to head uh, money match play and went to purely uh, free to play or for or, or pay to enter uh, models um, that were sponsor driven. So. Okay. So that's, 
And that's that's where that was 2014 when all, that all happened. We then bought CSL in 2015. And what was so great about, and I'm getting back to your question, Sam, sorry. To that's all right. All no, it's good. But um, our, our position, and it was really gelled in that time frame, is that um, the pro ranks were getting very well established. Um, the, you know, the, there, there were no pro leagues at that point in time. There were, there were, ESL was one of them, but there were no franchises. There were no franchise models, none of that. Um, and what we saw the opportunity was, well, how, how does a player become a pro? You know, what, what are the steps needed for a player to be able to realize their, their dreams or aspirations as a pro player? So, um, we, we, we have relationships, all the publishers, we talked to the publishers, some were more, more, um, more, more formed in their, in their structures. Many, many weren't still at that point in time, but um, we worked closely with them all and saying the, the funnel is important. The path to the pros, that's important. The funnels where, where the, where the, where the volume is, um, you know, the pros are the top 1%, no different than a, if you're a basketball player or a tennis, you know, Sam, like you, a tennis player, the top 1% are the, are the pros of the world. Another 99% are the aspiring pros. That's the that was what what really galvanized it for us is that we this is where we have value this is the benefits that we bring players this is the benefits we bring publishers that our funnels for players are big wide open friendly mm. accessible we'll bring we'll bring the volume um, and show people what it what it's going to take to to get from point A to point B um, and if you're truly a, an aspiring player how to how to make it to the pros so okay. that that was that was our model to, and to this day. Um, that's how, that's what motivates us. That's what uh, gets us up in the morning. Um, in the collegiate realm, as we started to talk about earlier, um, even more more of a dynamic there about about the the funnel, the the, the big accessibility. We've we've done a lot in uh, not not only with uh, with getting more players involved, but diverse base of players too. Uh, uh, women, um, my, minorities, we're doing a lot with the HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities that that by and large have not had a lot of support. They don't have the wherewithal, they don't have the, all the resources that the big schools do. And so we've, we've put our spotlight on, on those schools to help them build um, competitive gaming infrastructure, to build curriculum, to build events, uh, to help. We, we've helped a couple of schools design their land centers um, and, and, and use esports and gaming as a recruiting mechanism. So, so, um, so that's, that's what we do. We're, we're at the, at our, at our essence, we're tournament organizers, tournament operators, and and league tournament league operators, really on the collegiate side. But um, but but we've we've done so much, and and we've pivoted a, away from that pure pure competitive realm now to to being bringing more more kids in, more players in um, through any number of means. That just it doesn't mean just participation. It means education. It means curriculum. It means so much more. This is so interesting because this is uh, something mainly what we're passionate about at the at Valor Esports is to bring um, the assets to to players to be able to go to the next level. And actually, the the player that are not professional and don't have contact with professional players often end up losing a lot of time playing. Right? Like they they spend time like me, for example. I take my example because I'm. Uh, Counter-Strike failure, I can call it this way. And I spend a lot of time playing uh, Counter-Strike like a zombie on my computer, thinking I would, I would be become good. And now that I'm an adult and I look at how the professional train 
I just realized that I lost two years uh, trying to become good by playing. And of course I enjoyed it, but this was not my, my, my objective. So I, I, I did not make it, not only, not only because okay, my motivation might not have been the best, but also the assets that I had around me to become professional, I, I feel that that was lacking and the infrastructure also around. So I'm really interested into knowing uh, so far, so throughout your, your, your journey with that vision of helping players going from non-pro to pro, what are some of the achievements that you're really proud of and that you, you think that you achieved into like bridging that gap? Well, one of, one of the things that we did um, really starting in the 2015 um, timeframe is we, we moved to, we, we, we used to be sort of opportunistic to find an event, to find a, uh, a game, to find an opportunity to build a competition. We, we, we had the luxury of a, an online platform that we had built and you know, so much of that programming is easy to spin up. Um, but we wanted it to be bigger. We wanted it to, to you know, start, um, when, I say, when I say bigger, having, having more presence and more prominence. We, are, we, we had huge tournaments online. We had one Halo tournament that had over 300,000 people involved. We were on Halo 4. Um, that was a leaderboard sort of structure. So not a bracketed tournament, but leaderboard structure. We had over 300,000 right around the launch of Halo 4. And um, so we had had big events, but we always wanted to show those events off with live, live events. So um, when we got uh, our next round of investment from Cineplex in 2015, our, our goal was to start, use our platform as an online qualifying mechanism, get down to a manageable number, and then move into live events. And um, by and large, that's what we accomplished. And every, and what not only did we accomplish that, but we also wanted to annualize these programs or make them more recurring so people could, that was the other thing about esports in the early days, you know, events would pop up two weeks before they'd happen and no promotion, no, no, um, you know, organization, no, no recruiting to get players in. We, we said, we want these to be predictable. We want our events to be, to be something that players will anticipate. And so we, in 2015, went to a model where we had a Call of Duty a tournament uh, early in the year. We had a Forza driving event early in the year. We had, um, uh, in the, in the spring, we, we would have uh, NBA 2K or an NHL that would correlate with the, the culmination of those traditional sports seasons. In the, in the summer months, we had a fighting game event. In the, in the fall, we had a Madden event and moved into the sports titles that are so big and, and uh, you know, FIFA, NBA, 2K, um, NHL as well. So, so we, I think what, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that we were able to achieve, um, not only did we run really nice events, uh, but we had tremendous publisher support and those go hand in hand. We we ran quality events. They were they were well attended to. We we our our team was so good about the details, um, and we impressed the publishers enough that they said, "Okay, we like we like what you're doing. Keep doing it." And so we we did we did achieve our goal. We had a recurring um, uh, event every year, and and as we mat matured this model, the the thing that I, I guess is is really reinforcing to us, and 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 again, sort of. I can get emotional about it is, is that um, as our events culminate, we would, we would crown, obviously we'd crown a champion and those champions with the, with the help of the publishers would get a spot or a spotlight in one of the pro events, one of the major events. So this notion of path to the pros, we, we, we fulfilled that. We, it wasn't just 
we weren't just talking it, we were actually walking it as well. And, and Call of Duty, four years in a row, our winning player, our winning team, um, first year we did a weird, we did a weird uh, lone wolf thing, 1v1, but, uh, but uh, after that we went, we did fours and fives. And every year our winning team would be on the, on the main stage at, uh, at, a, at a Call of Duty event, CWL event, um, you know, one of, one of the challengers coming up, but they, we, we fulfilled what we, we wanted them to have. We wanted them to have that, that place in the, in the limelight. And um, we, we've done that with every, you know, from Madden to Rocket League to, to League of Legends to all the games we've involved with, we've, we've, we've achieved that. It's either through our world gaming brand or through our collegiate brand, we've been able to um, accomplish that, that, that leveling up for the player um, and putting them in a, in a, in a spotlight where they, they, because so much, so much of this doesn't exist. It didn't exist four years ago. Now, slowly, but surely it's more, more of that infrastructure is, is distinguishing itself. And it's a great thing that publishers now recognize how important it is. They relied on us to do that for, for many years. Now they are also t doing it as well. But um, so that's, that to me is that it, not only what, what we set out to do, but what we accomplished it and, and uh, really, really thrilled that we, we, we run the kind of events that the publishers are proud of and want to want to uh, reward us with uh, with that kind of uh, attention and support. That's amazing. And, and just to clarify, like the tournament that you're running, they're not tournament for professional, right? They are tournament for uh, for anyone that wants to to join in. We, you know, in the in the early days of Call of Duty, we would get professionals um, coming in uh, and and we always though so initially we it was sort of a blend of uh, i would call them semi-pro events but but as we got more and more we we knew who the good players were um we worked with activision and they were helpful they said okay that guy's too good his team's too good um we we would advise you not because you don't want you want to put on a tournament and somebody comes in and smokes the whole field that won't be fun for anybody so so we we were always very conscious of of making sure there's parity making sure that the playing field was somewhat level. There's always going to be, obviously, there's going to be a winner that distinguishes themselves. But, but we we did um, we did a, a lot of a lot of di diligence to make sure that the the, the field overall. Um, and we ran big events. We had our last uh, the last Call of Duty event we ran a year ago. We had uh, 1,900 teams of five involved. That's a that's a big tournament. That's a that's a that's a big Call of Duty amateur tournament. And um, so so uh, that was the other good thing that we. Our, 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 our events became brands in and to themselves. They built equity, our, we, our, our, our game brands, our event brands build equity for themselves. And, and every year it's, oh yeah, we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta go to Toronto. We gotta play in the Call of Duty. We gotta go to Las Vegas. We gotta play in the NHL. We gotta go to, we gotta go to uh, Atlantic City to play in Rocket League. So, so, um, so that was that to me, we set out to do that. And, and I think we accomplished it in a really nice way. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I I love hearing that. I love also the fact that you factored in um, that playing level. I mean, as a ex tennis player, I've definitely been to an experience where you come into a tournament. And there's always one kid better than the rest, and it's uh, you just hope that he would move up and go to the better league. But he just sits there and smashes you. Also, and it's not enjoyable for anyone, even people watching. Oh, no, that's right. It's not. It's a bad experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what something I'm really really interested in is is the scholarship process um, that you've been able to develop and provide uh, through CSL. When did that really start to get momentum and what have you kind of seen as its current state and where it's going now? Well, we've, you know, when we bought, we, so we, we owned um, 
CSL as of uh, early 2015, and and the young man that started the Duran Parsi um, uh, was a good. He was. He started. I, and you might may or may not know the story that the name uh, uh, Collegiate Star League um, in the early days was 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 purely around StarCraft II. So that's where the star came from, um, and it was started as a you know just uh, college kids playing representing their schools um, playing StarCraft against one another, and and um, in those days they they played for more for pride for anything, but 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 as this grew and as we took it over in 2015, um, you know that we we would get a lot. Well, why are, why are you encouraging kids to play video games when they're supposed to be studying? But uh, so well one of the support mechanisms for us is that we, we want these kids to, to stay in school, finish school. And as we garnered uh, modernization from sponsors or, or media or dollars or, or from Twitch or from whomever, that we would, we would funnel those towards scholarships became a really yeah. important part of who we are, what we are. Um, and to this day where that's, it's, it's part of, uh, you know, last year, um, or I should say this year, our, our culmination in April, culmination of our collegiate league every year is in April or May. Um, you know, it starts in the fall, uh, like in a, in a normal cadence of a collegiate season. Starts in the fall, then then they have a little hiatus at uh, Christmas time or holiday time, and then move into the spring where then the playoffs uh, ensue, and then go into the grand finals. Our grand finals, are, if you're familiar with what the Final Four is, and in the United States, it's college basketball final four. We, we, our grand finals are the final four for each of the college leagues that we run. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, this past year, obviously the COVID, uh, the pandemic it affected it. We had a big event planned for Las Vegas. Every year collegiately, our grand finals is our biggest event. Um, and we were all set to go to Vegas, obviously got shut down. And um we thought, well, I, I guess this year we canceled. We started to think, well, we just canceled this event. And and we started hearing from the, the the schools and the teams and the players that, well, you know, we we rely on those scholarship dollars. You know, we mm. we those are important to us. Those are important for, for us to to finish our educations. And so as as much as we didn't want to have a a, a bad experience for our sponsors, we said we we've got to we've got to culminate in a, in a sort of a, a, a semi-normal way. And, and so instead of having a big live event, the great thing about eSports, it can be a virtual event. Um, and we did uh, our virtual grand, grand finals, uh, not to the huge acclaim and not to the huge, uh, you know, crowds or, or activation for a sponsor, but, but the sponsors were all very willing to support this. Uh, we, we, we culminated, we were able to award the, the scholarship dollars and, be, be, and that is a really important thing uh, for us, it was really interesting and and uh, I'll say fascinating to to finally you know the the schools say you know we these kids rely on these dollars we you know we can can you can you try and figure out how to how to run your grand yeah. finals so, uh, and we did a nice job our we had a we had uh, two production partners helping us uh, did an amazing job you 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 didn't know if it was live or not so so that's the that's the great thing about. Uh, uh, college esports and you know so this this fall is you're, you're no different over where, where you guys are um you know college football sort of rules the united states in the fall well it's been a it's been a mess right some games are on some games are off um some some leagues are running some schools are running some aren't it is just no semblance of normalcy at this point but 
you know, we started our college leagues just as we always do. We, we're, we're well into the, the season now. We're, we're actually going to go on hiatus here for the holidays another week. And um, no, there's no difference for us. You know, the, our leagues yeah. are running. And uh, so that's the, that's the nice thing about having um, eSports and having a, a virtual um, sport, an online sport, because you, these can go on and not be impacted dramatically. But yeah. we would have we by this time, and we always, we always punctuate our league play with, with live event play. They tend to be smaller events in a student union or a, or a dormitory or a, a athletic complex or something. But by this time, any given year other than this year, we would have had 40 to 50 live events by now. Um, but but we, we obviously those are all shut down. Everything's virtual now. Our grand finals for 2021, April, May 2021, they, we're already planning for them to be virtual too. So, um, but, the, but the notion of, of your question is the scholarships. It, it, we, we felt it was really important that we culminate these seasons in, in spite of all the obstacles. And um, I, think we did the, I think we did the right thing. Yeah, I, I we have a fairly uh, loaded question on this on this podcast, and we've asked a lot of people. But I, I'm really you, I'm really excited to ask you this one. Um, you, you're you are called the Godfather, but I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of if you were an esports god and you had total control over the industry and its direction. What what are some things that you would you know immediately try to work on and change if you if you had that ability? And power to to push it in a direction that you see fit. I mean, you're doing it from your, you know, you're doing a lot with your own companies uh, in the direction you're going. But what are some other things that you see in the industry that could be adapted and changed? Well, I, you know, I, I'll go back to our um, our emphasis on uh, diversity. I, it's it's still to me sort of unconscionable that um, in this day and age you have the the this bad behavior. Um, that takes place online, the toxicity, the misogynistic, the homophobic, uh, racist stuff. Um, that doesn't do anybody any good. And, and um, uh, so I, you know, if I, I could change one thing, it's still, you know, it's still a dynamic. It's, it's, it's hurting more participation um, as a result. And, and um, if I could change one thing, I'd, I'd want that behavior to go away. Or if it, you know, it, it's not, it's not going to go away without, without some sort of um, policing of it. And, yeah. and I, I think, uh, you know, people like EA, we've seen what EA has done with Madden. They're actually vetting all their Madden pro players. Um, and if they have any sort of infractions around, uh, you know, racist uh, d- uh, talk or misogynistic or, or homophobic or any of that, um, they ban, they ban the Madden players from being a pro. So, so yeah. that it's starting to happen and it's starting yeah. to happen in a very positive way. So I, I can't. I can't say we. The industry isn't making strides in that regard. Some really good strides, but um, I think about um, you know how how that that sort of behavior has held the industry back and has held the, yeah. the engagement of, of this industry back and it's given us a given this industry a bad name. Um, so if I if I that would be one thing that I would um, would would advocate for uh, just people. We have we've had some you know we've had tournaments where. Kids have acted up. We give them. We give them sort of a, a, a one strike chance, and if the, if it continues, we you know they get banished. And yeah, um, and I think more more of that has to go on. If, you know, of, of all the cheating going on, that too is not a it's not a great thing, uh, especially in especially in Counter Strike. Uh, there's a lot of that um, unfortunately going on. So 
Um, so, so I, that, that, that sort of human behavior yeah. is not easy to, not easy to, to, to moderate or to modify, um, that those are the things that, that have, have, unfortunately, I, I, I believe have, have held the gaming back. Uh, but the good news is, uh, the, the positive forces are, are in, in the market. The positive forces are, are proving to be, um, the more powerful, uh, I sound a little, I sound a little, uh, 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 naive and saying that, but uh, but I think but I think uh, we're much better path than we were, say, you know, uh, two years ago. Yeah, I just wanted to add something around the toxicity. We had our previous episode was uh, with someone who has been victim of toxicity online, and uh, she was she was Jess, and um, it's a girl gaming, and um, she's playing Counter Strike. We play together sometime, and one of the things that I wanted to emphasize here is that on top of affecting the um, the participation of people in, in this industry, it also affects personally some people very deeply, like they are alone at home playing computers and having facing, and we could see that, like you could watch the previous episode and, and see it, that it deeply affects the personality of, the, of a person that is trying to enjoy a game and trying to be in, in like a happy oh, position yeah. and... Uh, and I think this is very important on top of that with the COVID where a lot of players are alone at home playing um, playing their favorite games that's their escape, right? To to be happy and that's their happy moment and facing that toxicity is just destroying that moment and could bring them in some very dark place. We we are aligned, Luke, in, in how we feel about that. So uh, um, we're, we're, we all... Uh, we all want to keep an eye out for it and and call call it out when it's when it's happening and make sure uh, do everything we can to to uh, tap it down from happening again. Yeah, yeah I, I love. The, it. Sorry, sorry, you go, man. Uh, the EA model that you mentioned, I was not aware of it, but I think that's something that's really interesting that I I believe that should be pursued because in some of the interview as well, some of the things that has been mentioned is that the lack of having like role model at the professional level that you would have in sport, for example, uh, is uh, sometimes uh, affecting because if the higher level players are toxic, then the young player would aspire to be the same way. So having that control from EA seems to be like a good good way forward. Well, and, and think of the license that they have to, that, that they represent, they represent the NFL, one of the biggest, you know, sporting licenses, if not one of the biggest licenses in the world. And, and they they don't they don't want any sort of um, you know affiliation with with that kind of behavior. They can't they can't afford to to have that kind of affiliation. So mm. they're 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 you know EA is very smart about those kind of things. They're doing the same thing with with the NHL and with uh, obviously with FIFA. Um, so so it's it's a it's not only for this dynamic, but the partners that are represented, the licenses that are involved, um, all of that has to be considered when when. Uh, and these sort of uh, rules and enforcements and and I'll call them legalities, uh, but when those are are put on top of uh, of these these kind of uh, these structures and and events. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's really good to hear. I often refer to it as the uh, the Roger Federer model, where you know he's sitting at the top of tennis, and even if he's not number one, he's you know he's almost perfect, right, for 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 the image of the sport and. I think in, in previous interviews when we started researching our project and our our goal is a, and our vision as a company, a parent once said to us that they would be uncomfortable at this point in time. Um, this is a young parent with a young young child who does know about the industry of gaming, 
said, I'd be uncomfortable if my son became an esports professional at this point. Uh, I think if you want to achieve your goal, you need to change what the perception of an esport player looks like. Um, for, and that was really powerful. And I think when EA does that, um, you know, has massive ramifications for, for the, you know, turning the ship in that direction, um, that you want your top players to represent the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, which is awesome. That's so cool to hear. I, I wanted to just on that point of parents, uh, I wanted to start talking to you a little bit just to finish off about the industry and, and some of the opportunities it possibly provides for people. We, we understand that, you know, professional players can make a great living uh, and it's going to get better and better. And there's different ways that they do that. Um, the collegiate space is offering um, support to, if you're not quite ready to move to that top level, it's offering support in education, uh, which is incredible. What are some other parts of industry that you know parents, um, other people don't really see that that open up opportunities for work? You know, I just I had an interesting conversation just this morning about you know the, the notion of an influencer, you know, of of a, uh, online persona that um, uh, you know in 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 many regards um, it, it certainly it 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 goes well beyond gaming, but. But uh, certainly, the you know the rise of influencers happened through gaming, and and um, we had a conversation with a I had a conversation with a friend of mine whose whose uh, grandson here we go on the age thing again whose grand grandson um, uh, is, is starting to distinguish himself as a, a, a and so he was asking me is is this legit is this for real and I said oh yeah this is you know this is the new celebrity this is the new you know how it how it how it works, and and you don't, as we all know, you don't have to be a good gamer. It helps to be a good gamer. Look at you know Ninja and Dr. Lupo and Dr. Disrespect and all these guys that have distinguished themselves. They started as really good gamers, but now they're they're personalities. They might still play. They know they know the games. They know how to talk about the games. They know they know how to, and they've taken their personalities and and put them on top of all of the uh, game mechanics and and. Uh, have really proven to be um, celebrities, and you know, in, in every regard. So um, it's it's a it's a it's sort of a contemporary um, uh, spin on being a celebrity, but it's it's it, as you know, it's 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 legit, not not nonetheless. It's just a very different way. And and as you guys are aware, it's not it's not easy to do. You know, you get up every day, ninja, poor guy. Can you imagine? You have to be on camera ten hours a day. Um, yep. In order to fulfill all his sponsors, to fulfill his, you know, his Twitch obligations, his uh, his um, his game obligations. I mean, that that's that's got to be exhausting. And and uh, but but it's you know, if, if it were easy, everybody be doing it and everybody be successful at it. He's he's obviously distinguished himself in in a, in, in some really amazing ways. Dr. Lupo, that you know, his his um shtick and his angle has been more about the philanthropic side it's worked really well for him and and uh so so the i guess the 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 notion is you just a a game or a player is only one facet and really one fall small facet of of how to to be, have a career in gaming and and you think about you know i we i spoke to a a group at a at a, a college a becker college and they have a very robust um Esports program and and the discussion they have a, they have a sports management program. Well, that sports management program, you know, around careers in sports is the exact same template that esports 
needs. And so, yeah. and Dr. Rataco there, a great guy, um, become, a, become a good friend of his. He runs the business school there. Um, it's it, his program, his esports program is all in the business school. It's not in the athletic department, not in the student life department. It's in the business school. So this, this notion that, you know, you can be a, you can be a production um, person, you could be a marketing person, you could be an analyst, you could, you could be, um, uh, you know, a, 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 a bit, a bit sort of a business mind in, in um, around gaming and esports. You could be a developer. You could be a, you could be a graphic designer. All those kinds of opportunities exist for for gaming, and and yet we still get hung up as well. My my kids, there's no way he's going to be a, he's going to be a, a part of the one percent. So probably not. Um, odds are are against him or her. But but nonetheless, there are so many other opportunities to mm-hmm. to be involved in gaming and esports and and. Um, I think most colleges now, many still new to this, but most colleges are starting to understand, man, gaming is a really important dynamic. What the Nielsen did a study, um, I think it's a few, I think it's a few months old now that, but kids leaving high school, going into college, 85% of them identify themselves as being either gamers or gaming enthusiasts. Most colleges mm-hmm. are, are, would be shocked at that and say, what? What, how, how do we not know that? How do we not, how do we not see that? And, and as you know, um, that the, some, some many schools are sort of the traditional mainstream. Um, it's taken those with vision and it's taken those with, uh, um, with sort of more open mindedness to, to be plugged into these, to these kids and understand that gaming is a, it's not just a hobby. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's how yeah. they, it's how yeah. they consume their entertainment. Um, and it's it's you know they're they're not reading books they're not going to movies they're not watching television they don't own cable subscriptions uh, and when they're when they're entertaining themselves they're online and when they're online they're largely playing video games so yeah um, so it's a it's a it's a different thing more and more as we march forward in time um, that people will will understand that and get that but it's still astounding to me the, I, I did an interview yesterday this big. Um, <laughs> this big promotion we're doing with the NFL around the Madden uh, event for charity. Um, the very first interview we had, uh, we were on a virtual uh, media tour. The, the guy was looking at esports and he said, so how do you pronounce that? A sports? Or is that, is that? I said, well, no, that's esports. He said, well, what's, what's esports? I mean, still there's, this is a, this is a guy on a television station who sure <laughs> more more awareness of and more exposure uh, uh sports i go what are you what are you what are you, ta- what are you talking about what word do you see well it says e and then sports it's a well it's esports not us sports it's e. i mean I, this was my first interview i have 30 interviews meeting interviews. this is the very first interview i'm going wow, we'll have a way to go here yeah I um yeah I think yeah you're 100 on the money i mean it all starts with your passion right it's most and they talk about you know, people trying to do things that they love, you know, you wake up doing something you love. Sometimes it's not so much the action that you're doing it. It's what the industry that you're working in, it gives you purpose. You know, you might be doing, I'm an accountant, I'm an, I'm an investment, but you might be doing accounting work for, for in the esport industry and you're involved. And that that's important to recognize that it starts with that gaming passion. What I wanted to find a follow up before we, we sign off and I want to hear a little bit about what your, things that are coming up in your world with uh, network gaming and CSL. And so I wanted to, do you have kind of three recommendations that you would, you would give to parents and kids who want to start moving in this direction? Where would, where do you start 
and and what are some really good things you know or three things that you could do to to help yourself position yourself better one of one of the um there's a there's a truism as i've you know moved around and and gone to events and talk to talk to parents and talk to kids and and um there is one truism about about the kids who are who are clear clear-minded about their goals in gaming um in in goals for for being involved in gaming could be a participant could be in business could be uh some sort of support mechanism is that parental support and this is not rocket science by any stretch but mm. parental support really really important and and the when i talk to professional players um and or i see their parent i was at a, an event the houston outlaws uh in the overwatch league had a had an event i went down talked to met met the met the players the owners of the team are good friends good friends of mine um uh met the players and in every single case that player has amazing support from his his or her parents and um they they you know, they, they think about this. You know, the kid growing up, he's there. They're in their twenty or early twenties. You know, when he's when these when these players are are learning video gaming, they're learning it in a five or six time frame. This would have been a in, in many. You know, as I grew up, that would have been a time when parents would said, "Stop! You can't play any video games. Stop it! You got to mm-hmm. do homework." You gotta, and the the vision that these parents had to let these kids do what they were passionate about. Now, you know, not only are they they looked up to. Um, by by the millions of aspiring players, they're also making a really nice living, and and they're and they're part of a of a dynamic that's that as I go back to what I said earlier is changing the world. So so I think I think that the p- parents have to understand they're really important um, in in a in a kid's um, approach to gaming. They've got to be they've got to be open minded. They got to learn about it. I have so many parents of fr- friends of mine that. Saw their, they just assumed their kids were were slackers um, because all I want to do is play video games. And now those same parents come to me and say, "Well, mom, my grandson wants to be a professional player. How can you help him?" So, um, <laughs> so it's a it's a very different dynamic, and that's and, you know, it's it's far uh, far past the time when that should have happened. Um, obviously, I'm I'm a little bit biased in, in that approach. So yeah. So that uh, so um, so I would I tell you that's that's really important. I think I think. Uh, uh, also, as a player themselves, that um, because the, the the infrastructure is lacking, um, uh, we're we're doing our part. A lot of people, a lot of companies, and a lot of a lot of uh, publishers doing their part. But still, uh, a lot of the the impetus impetus on a player to distinguish themselves in, in gaming is on is on them. And so, yeah. staying staying uh, wide, eyes wide open. Uh, get, finding mentors, uh, getting a mentor to help you, getting somebody who understands the industry to give you advice um, uh, as a player or even as a business uh, person. That's a really important thing to, uh, if, 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 you know, in, in so many other dynamics, yeah, there's a really clear path, even in business, a clear path from going from point A to point B in, in video gaming and esports still, still by and large, uh, the wild west. So, so um, I, I, for, from a, for a player, um, male or female to to really embrace what it is they're doing to understand what what they want to do uh, as early as they can not an easy thing to 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 say it is an easy thing to say much easier much less easy to to accomplish um, but those are really important uh, pieces for for what a what a player needs to do or what a 
what a what a biz, a person who wants to be in the business of gaming needs to needs to kind of keep their their heads about them. Amazing, thank you. And I think I think with that, I mean, the overarching um, characteristic that equals success is, is just work ethic anyway. So I mean, it might not be the the activity or the function that we've seen in the past is the way to success. But I mean, you could do you could be a darts player, you could be um, a mathematician, you could do anything, it, it still requires hard work. And I think that comes with educating yourself about the industry and what it actually is. Um, because then you can have some understanding and respect for how difficult it is to achieve. Um, before we sign off, I really want to hear about the the massive uh, event you have coming up in, is it late February, I think, that's or, or early February? Oh, oh, the NFL event? No. So, yeah, we just announced this yesterday. Uh, we're working very closely with the NFL around a Madden tournament uh, that is the uh, is benefiting um, a big charity in the United States called Gen Youth. Gen Youth is a one of the largest supported charities by the NFL. Um, and what this charity does is raise money uh, to alleviate or to eliminate um, food insecurity. And they do it through schools. So in the pre-pandemic uh, times, one in seven, uh, this, is their, this is their stat, one in seven kids under the, uh, still in school under the uh, grade 12, um, one in seven kids in the United States are food insecure, meaning they get a, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. The one meal they do count on every every day is the meal they get through their school. So it's their lunch program or breakfast program or whatever it is, um, and that affects one in seven kids prior to the pandemic. In the pandemic, um, that food insecurity level of, is astoundingly high at one in three kids. So so what the what Gen Youth does is raise money to um, fund schools so that they can they can build um, more more food reserves, more food programming to, to feed these these uh, food insecure kids. Um, really great cause and and uh, we we work closely with the NFL around a very very unique Madden tournament. Uh, we've been running um, Madden tournaments for the last 10 years when we started our company well, for our very first tournament was a Madden tournament. Um, and this tournament uh, brings together NFL players, the actual players who play the traditional game, Madden pros, who, as you know, are, are pros playing the Madden game. They're making a fair amount of money doing it. <laughs> and then the, the, the eight, uh, we, we will, our tournament will culminate down to, we already have, we already have thousands of players uh, registered. We just announced this yesterday. Um, we will culminate down to a final eight players. And then what will happen is that the, the Madden uh, player a Madden Pro, sorry, NFL player and a Madden Pro will team up and they will draft one of the eight players. We'll have eight sets of these, Saquon Barkley, for anybody listening there, they know big uh, Giants running back. Uh, Dalvin Cook, who plays for the Vikings, another big running back. He's lent his name to this. Uh, Justin Jefferson, hot rookie, um, also wide receiver for the Vikings, also has lent their name to this. We'll have five other NFL players. They'll be paired up with Madden Pros and then they will draft one of the eight players we expect a that that will be very entertaining. The, the draft we expect a fair amount of smack smack talking and uh, trash talking. <laughs> players compete to to get one of the better um, uh, finalists, one of the eight finalists, and then uh, through, after the draft is done, then they'll go into a playoff round and then do a championship. That is the the last weekend uh, last weekend January just before the Super Bowl. Now in 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 a normal year, the Pro Bowl, the NFL Pro Bowl, happens that week, the week before the Super Bowl. This year there is no Pro Bowl because of uh, just all the 
logistical challenges for uh, for uh, due to COVID, but uh, they're replacing the real Pro Bowl with a virtual Pro Bowl around the game of Madden. And our event will be the will be the lead-in to that big pro virtual event that particular weekend. So eyeballs will be as high as we've ever had. Um, involvement yep. will be as high as ever we've ever had. So so really and amazing partners. Uh, Campbell's uh, Soup. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't mention it, but they're contributing well into six figures. Uh, Target, the big retailer in the United States, also similar boat. boat. Doritos, uh, Bose, the headsets, uh, um, uh, American Dairy Farmers, milk and, and cheese and all the products there. Uh, uh, we, uh, Twitch, um, uh, uh, NFL, EA, all contributing in massive ways to make this a huge success. We just Again, launched yesterday. I'm so talked out after. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I could understand I, that. The guy who said the sports. The guy couldn't pronounce. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So, so, so um, thank you. For, thank you for bringing it up. It's a really important cause. And no, it is. We, uh, if anybody's listening and wants to register, the the URL is millionmealschallenge.com. The the term is actually called the Million Meals Challenge. Uh, millionmealschallenge.com, and um, you can also. Uh, text meals, the word meals, M-E-A-L-S, to 52000, and that will, um, you can donate $25 uh, to the, to the, to the uh, fund, $25, um, get, get this, this is astounding, $25 will buy 1,250 meals for a school, so, um, so, and, and, uh, we, we were calling it the million meals challenge. Actually, the goal for this is a hundred meal, hundred million meals. And okay. we, we don't think uh, we're going to have a problem getting there just uh, given the amazing support that, uh, that everybody has, has given us. So thank you for, thank you for um, highlighting it. And we're, we're, uh, we're super proud of what, what this event's going to be. No, it's incredible. I think it's, this is just shows the capability of what, uh, you know, not just esports, but sport in general. You know, the purpose it is in our society, and esports is is the same in that retrospect. Um, we're going to say goodbye, but ha- how do our listeners follow your activity and keep up to date with what you're doing? How can they how can they get in contact with you? Well, uh, probably the best way is on uh, LinkedIn. Um, I'm quite active on LinkedIn, and I pay attention to LinkedIn. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Wim Stocks. There's I'm the only Wim Stocks on LinkedIn. As <laughs> thus far. So um, I, and I'm, and I'm uh, pretty accepting. I don't like to be fished and I don't like to be scammed, uh, spammed on, on LinkedIn, but if you uh, um, want to have a dialogue or a discussion, I'd encourage uh, uh, people to reach me there. Amazing. Uh, thank you, Wim. And thank you for joining us today. It's been incredible and just really appreciate your time. Lou and Sam, thank you guys so much for having me. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Esports Demystified by Valor Esports. That was once again the legendary Wim Stocks, and you can connect with him on Twitter. His handle is WIIM. We're currently creating our first esports club for players from around 13 to 23 years old. If you're an aspiring esports athlete or a parent to one, please get in contact with us. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram under the username Valor underscore E Academy, and you can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash valor dot esports dot academy.